0: Take your seats. Kids, Mr. Jarvis is over there. He's ready to take you out to children's worship. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. So uh, before I read the scripture, let me pray. Let's pray. Father, we uh, celebrate this festival. Indeed, that's what it is. uh, Celebrating uh, the victory of Jesus Christ over sin and death. And so I pray today that you would help us to see that, help us to hear that, help us to believe that. And that as a result of the fact that Jesus Christ has overcome sin and death on our behalf, we would be changed. Uh, our world would be changed. Help us by your spirit. Encourage our hearts. Give us hope today. Strengthen and encourage us, we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, let me read to you 1 Corinthians 15, verses 19 through 26. The text uh, is in the bulletin and uh, also up on the screens behind me. This is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits, Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So uh, having the opportunity to preach uh, Easter sermons, this is the 26th one uh, I've done uh, Uh, One thing I I, I am committed to every single uh, year is I want to be very clear at the outset about what it is we're talking about, okay? Um, What we mean when we say that Jesus Christ is risen is simply this. We believe that Jesus Christ was a real man with a real body who lived a life we could never live, offered his life as an atoning sacrifice for us, Uh, died a humiliating, dehumanizing death on a cross, really dead, bloodied, beaten, unrecognizable, put into a tomb. He rested there for three days. And on the third day, he walked out of that tomb. That's what we mean when we talk about the resurrection of Christ. Uh, And I just want to be very clear about that because sometimes we get confused, right? There's all sorts of things that we could think. And the fact of the matter is, you know, to look across a room this size and to see this many people in here, you would have to to suspect that at least there are some of us here today who think that's pretty crazy, right? That's a pretty pretty wild claim to make. But here in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, we have this great chapter where the Apostle Paul talks to us, about what we read earlier in the Gospel of John about that event, that day when Mary Magdalene and then Peter and John ran to the tomb and saw that Jesus wasn't in the tomb and then Mary interacted with the risen Christ, right? And so what Paul does here for us in 1 Corinthians 15 is he tells us then as a result that Jesus Christ really died, he really rose again from the dead, he is ascended now into heaven. What does that mean? How does that impact uh, our lives? And so one of the things I, I, I want to uh, uh, begin with this morning is I am—I uh, read uh, probably four or five times a week. Uh, I take the time to read the New York Times. Um, and uh, part of the reason why I do that is uh, the writing, the quality of the writing in the New York Times is, is pretty great. Uh, and it's also called, you know, the, the paper of record for our nation. So I read it, um, don't always like, uh, what I read, but I, I read it and I've grown familiar over the years with uh, a number of, uh, guys who write regularly there. One of my favorite writers, uh, for the New York times is, is this guy named Nicholas Kristoff. Now, Kristoff uh, is, uh, has a big heart, uh, and is very concerned about, uh, uh, justice in the world, particularly uh, oppressed people in, in in the third world, and one of the things that he has repeatedly written over the years is how uh, he can't. He doesn't really like uh, many of the political stands of of Christians. One of the things he has to admit is that in the deepest, darkest, worst places on the planet, uh, there are always Christian missionaries and nuns and. Christian doctors serving in the worst places in the world, and that impresses him. Uh, And uh, and so he is uh, over the years, uh, every uh, he interviews and talks with uh, uh, prominent Christian leaders. Uh, A few years ago, he had a long interview in the Times with uh, uh, Tim Keller, and you could tell that Keller was who's a. uh, former pastor of a Presbyterian Church in manhattan was uh, was was kind of trying to uh, well he was proclaiming the gospel to christoph like you're close, man, you see the good things that 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 people do in the name of Christ. you should believe well Christoph uh, it, this past week interviewed uh, a woman who's the president of Union Seminary in New York and a pastor, and uh, he begins the interview by saying to her now you don't really believe in that bodily resurrection business. And of course she said, no, of course not. I don't believe in that. And this is the next question that he he said to her. Well, isn't a Christianity without a physical resurrection less powerful and awesome? (laughs) Which is so hilarious. I mean, yeah, yeah. When the, when the message is about love, that's less religion, more philosophy. Here's our her answer. For me, the message of Easter is that love is stronger than death. Um, that, that statement right there, that's a great statement, and it is true. You know, the uh, Song of Songs says that love is, is stronger than death. That's in the Bible. But saying that about the risen Christ and the resurrection of Christ is kind of not unlike, um, there was a movie when I was uh, in college called Animal House and um, there's this statue uh, to the founder of the college and the inscription on the statue says, knowledge is good. (laughs) That's, that's kind of like what that is, you know. Knowledge is good, okay? Yeah, isn't that great, right? So, uh, so she she goes on to say that's a much more awesome claim than that they put Jesus in the tomb and three days later he wasn't there. For for Christians for whom the physical resurrection becomes a sort of obsession, as she's talking about me and uh, some of you now, <laughs> right? Um, uh, that seems to be a pretty wobbly faith. She's about love, but she's gossiping about us right here, right? Um, what if tomorrow someone found the body of Jesus still in the tomb? Would that mean that Christianity was a lie? Well, yes. <laughs> of course it would. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like reading this this week and I'm like, Really? That's okay. Um, wouldn't that mean that Christianity was a lie? That seems to be kind of what Paul's getting at in First Corinthians 15. Anyway, no, faith is stronger than that. Faith in what? Right? So, yeah, I... I, um, I you know, it's very engaging. It gets the blood moving when I read the New York Times. So... Um, so the, so the, so the, so the thing that I want us to be very clear about today is that, you know, we, we read there from John chapter 20 the historical account of what happened that first day of the week when Mary Magdalene and the apostles went to to see about Jesus. Well, the, the fact of the matter is this reality that Jesus Christ, as Paul tells us, is the first fruits of those who have been raised from the dead, changes everything about how we view ourselves and about how we view our world and about how we live and function in the world. And so that's what Paul's getting at here uh, in this text. And so I want us to just this morning very briefly draw out three things that can help us as we think about the reality of the fact that a man who was bloody, beaten and dead, who's had a heart in his body, just like me and just like you, that actually stopped his brain waves ceased. He was dead for three days and now he's alive forevermore. How that changes Everything about our lives. So what Paul says here in this in this text is, is something dramatic. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So one of the things I don't want you to miss about that is, is that Paul's not saying we don't have hope in Christ for this life. We do. We we have every reason to hope in Jesus for this life. Uh, we do. But that's not all. Right. So the hope that we have because Jesus has risen from the dead impacts us today, right now in our lives today. But it also changes us because it orients us towards the reality of our destiny. Right. It focuses, focuses us in a way upon the reality that God has moved into our world, seen the brokenness and the fallenness of it. And he is active decisively in Jesus Christ to undo, to change to, to make new this broken world in which we live, right? And so that's a pretty profound thing for us, right? So, so we have full hope in Christ for this life and the next because Jesus is raised from the dead. What does that mean, right? Well, that means this. We don't have to uh, be like Mary Magdalene who loved Jesus, who, who followed him, who, who supported him, who, who, uh, uh, trusted him, right? But yet she goes to the tomb that Easter Sunday grieving as she should, but grieving without any hope or without any expectation that Jesus's death was the end, that that anything else could happen beyond that, that he was dead, that her hopes, her dreams, her heart was broken. All of that is undone, but we don't have to be like that. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, we know these things can be true about our lives today. The first thing that you have to see about this is, is that if Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again, because God has acted in this way for me, the worst things that I experience in this life, the hardest things I experience in this life, the unremitting difficulty that I experience in this life, Is And I don't mean this to minimize anybody's suffering, but it's true. It's only temporary. Now, it's real. It's hard. It's devastating. But the suffering and the pain, the sin, the brokenness, the horrible, terrible things that come our way, the challenging things that come our way, the broken relationships, uh, the broken world, the broken bodies, Those things are very real. And it is precisely for those things that Jesus Christ took on flesh, walked in time and in space into a broken, sin-infested world to overcome that for us. But because he has overcome that for us, our hope and our trust today, even as some of us grieve today... Is recognizing the reality that the hardest things in life, the worst things in life are only temporary because we have hope that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And so that gives me the courage to trust him, to entrust those that I love who are struggling to him, knowing that he is for me, he is with me. And that as Peter says in his epistle, he is a genuine living hope because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. We can grieve and we should fully grieve, but we do it in the hope and the reality that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Secondly, one of the things that you have to see about this is is that that Paul is, is being very clear to us in verse 21. For as by a man came death... By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. For by a man death came, and that in Adam all people die all, all die. Now one of the things you have to see about this is, is that we like to categorize people, right? We we categorize them. I was looking this morning, like I was categorizing people this morning in, in church. One of the things I was doing is I was looking around at men in the church today. Who are not wearing socks. (laughs) And I was sitting back there in the back. And I noticed a dear brother. Who I I really like a lot. And I saw he had on loafers with no socks. And I thought. I knew I liked that guy for a reason. (laughs) You know. That's pretty cool. I like that. We, We like to categorize people. Well the Bible categorizes people too. The Bible says there are two kinds of people in the world. And only two. And those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ, those are the two kinds of people. And so in Adam, we get the effect of his disobedience and his sin upon us, right? And because of we are in Adam, because we are joined to him, because he is our representative and we, we are in him and he is in us, sin and death has an impact upon us. Because in him, as a result of his sin and a result of our sin, death comes. Death is the result of sin, separation, the tearing apart of existence. That happens as a result of sin, right? And so one of the things, this this thing that's pretty uh, profound about this is, is that all is very comprehensive. None of us is going to escape this, right? But what makes it even worse is we're not just in bondage to sin and its consequence of death. We're complicit, active in our participation in it, right? Listen, you cannot, you can't read the newspaper. You can't look at the news. You, you can't go to work. You can't live in a family. You can't live in a community. You can't live in a church without acknowledging the fact that sin has wrecked things. Right? And that, you know, the the, the fact is, it is a wreck that is imposed upon us, but it is also a wreck that we participate in. And this brokenness in us and in our world, this bentness that we experience is something that is so profound that we can't make it better, much less do away with it. That's why God in his love has compassion upon us. And from the very beginning, Uh, planned and worked it out so that Jesus Christ would step into this world and take upon himself that bentness and that brokenness, right? Now, let me just be clear about something here. You know, when you talk about sin, it often makes people nervous, right? Because that seems condemning. That seems judging. But here's the great news about Easter. Listen, if you're a sinner, praise God today. Because the resurrection is God's solution to that problem. If you're just a wreck, you're just a wreck. But if you're a sinner, have I got good news for you, right? But the fact of the matter is that's one of the things that we have in common with everyone is that that in, in Adam, we all sin. Now, I don't know what you do for Easter if you have little kids, Um. I don't know if anybody anymore actually takes real eggs, and boils them, and dyes them. Does anybody really do that anymore? I mean, honestly, in this day and age, you would think the plastic eggs would be viewed as an environmental hazard, and so we would, we'd actually, yeah, we'd, when you when you actually want to make do real eggs. So when I was a kid. Uh, my mom's dad, uh, uh, lived, uh, just up the street from where, uh, we first lived when I was tiny. And, um, we would go to his house on, uh, Easter, uh, after we had dyed real eggs, boiled and dyed real eggs on, uh, Saturday. And we, all the cousins would gather together and we would hide Easter eggs. And because, uh, my grandfather, he was a cisk, a very small man, five foot two, 135 pounds, mean, super competitive small man complex uh, it wasn't just enough to hide easter eggs and let everybody get them we had a contest who got the most and we didn't you know there weren't participation trophies okay but the competition didn't stop there we did something really horrible and that's we when everybody got all the eggs we gathered in a circle and you would take your egg to the person next to you and they would have an egg And you would hit them against each other until when it was all said and done, who had the hardest egg that didn't crack? You were the real winner. Now, to make things better, my grandfather, because he was such a kind guy, always died one egg, hit it, that he didn't boil. Love my grandfather. I'm named after him. (laughs) Well, because we were so competitive, my older brother, who is uh, way up the food chain today and one of the biggest financial institutions in the world, (laughs) went to the hardware store and bought a wooden egg. And painted it. He cheated. He's an atom, right? That's that's how you know people are an atom when when an eight year old decides, you know what, I am going to win the egg contest by cheating, right? So, so the so the fact is. One of the things that we have to see about that is this mess that we're in, this, this morass of sin and death has us caught and, and we cannot get ourselves out of it. And that's the great news that Jesus Christ came, he lived and not only did he die, but he rose again. And that rising again, again seals to us the victory that Jesus Christ won for us, right? Right. But not only does sin come that way, for by as a man comes also the resurrection of the dead in Christ, all shall be made alive. And this is one of the things that is so important for us to see our lives as hidden in Jesus Christ. It's so important to understand that Jesus Christ, when he came into the world, he wasn't a ghost or he wasn't a superman, but he was a man. He was the God man he kept the law of God perfectly, but he was a man with nerve endings and, and a brain and skin and hair and, and nails and those things. And that he was subject then to all the things that those of us who have a body is subject to. And 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 more than that, he was subject not just to being born under the law so that he could identify with us. He goes all the way to identify with us in the fact that he dies dies a death that we deserved. And, and that is the thing that we have to see about this. Our union with him and being in him is cemented to us by the reality that this, this Jesus Christ had a real body, was a real human being who walked through this planet in time and in space. And so that's why we have to see that Jesus did this for us. And as Paul says in Romans, became a new Adam for us someone who now represents us. And while in the old Adam, uh, the end of that, his work was sin and death. Now in the new Adam, we have, we have righteousness. We have hope. We have life uh, forevermore. Right? And so what we recognize by Easter Sunday is, is that sin and death are now disabled and do not get the final word. Now, Friends, people are going to tell you, people will tell you, well-meaning people will tell you that, uh, that death uh, is, there's so much finality in death, right? And there will be so many people that will tell you that it is simply a part of life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ puts the lie to that because if death is a part of life, you don't need to be resurrected. If that's the way God intended it, what a waste of precious life that Jesus would die so that he could rise again and so that he could bring with him all of us who are in him as well. Death may seem final. You may gather together today with friends and family, and you may miss people. It seems hard. It is hard. It is challenging. But unlike Mary Magdalene, if our loved ones are in Christ and the new Adam then we have every reason to know and believe and to hope that we will be reunited with them. But not only that, but that the world in which we live today with its bentness, with its cruelty, with its harshness, with its brokenness is not... The way things will be because the resurrection of Christ means not just that I get to beat death, but the resurrection of Christ assures us that sin and its universal effect will be beaten as well. Uh, You could go to a lot of places today. You probably can read in, in the paper today that what the resurrection means is, is that Jesus makes things Better. 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 um and if that's what Jesus did we're, we're we're in trouble because better is not good enough if we're only hoping in Christ for better then it's problematic but our hope in Christ is that the dead are made alive that our God raises the dead. And if our God raises the dead, then we live and work knowing that this God, this Jesus, is making all things new. Not just better, but new. And that the order that we see things in and the way things seem to work today will be undone once and for all. So what we look for today in hope is the destruction of this last enemy, death. Um, I I want you to to have hope today, um, not just in the fact that humans are perfectible. I want you to have hope today, not just in the fact that humans are perfectible. Well, the myth that humans are perfectible. I want you to have hope today, not just in the fact that you can try a little harder. That maybe you won't lose your temper as much or be as jealous or uh, be as much of a gossip, right? I want you to have hope today, not just because uh, you think there's plenty of potential in the world, but I want you to have hope today because outside of you, God saw your need and he came in the person of Jesus Christ to do what you could never do. And so you have every reason now to hope that the brokenness and the bentness and the horror and the pain and the suffering will be erased one day. And that great separator, that great terror of the fabric of existence, death, will die. By virtue of his cross, by virtue of his resurrection, death is now disabled. And a day will come where death will be undone once and for all and destroyed. And its clutches and its possibility to undo us will be undone forevermore. Hear these words of institution of the Lord's Supper. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us, us the gifts of God for the people of God. Let's use this prayer of confession um, in the bulletin up uh, up on the screens behind me. Almighty God, by the power of your spirit, you have raised Jesus from the grave and crowned him Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him or acknowledged his rule in our lives. We have often seen and followed ways that lead to death and failed to give him glory. Forgive us and raise us from sin that we may be your faithful people. Lift our eyes to look upon our Savior that we might live. Help us to see Jesus Christ who rules all things and is head of the church, his body. Amen. believer, hear these words of encouragement. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. So the scriptures tell us on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it just as I do now ministering in his name and he gave it uh, to his disciples. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 that when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we are proclaiming the death of one who will come again. Embedded in that is the belief that this Jesus who is dead is now alive forevermore. Isn't it a crazy thing that eating this little piece of matzah and taking this absurdly small little cup and drinking this has such power. We do it every week here. What a profound thing it is, right? We do it because Jesus told us to do it. And Jesus told us to do it, not just to keep the myth alive, But Jesus told us to do it to strengthen and encourage us and to remind us of of the, the essential content of our identity and our faith, that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again, and he will come for us again someday. And so we eat this little piece of cracker and we drink this little cup of juice in obedience to him, but also acknowledging what he has done for us But even more than that, looking in hope to the day where he gathers us around his table once and for all, and we celebrate the festival, the feast into eternity of the redemptive work that Jesus Christ has done for us in a new heaven and a new earth. That's our destiny, and that shapes how I view and how I live and how i walk through this world today if you've come to that place in your spiritual life where you have no other hope except in this work that jesus christ has done for you you profess that to a body of believers somewhere he says to you today to take this bread and take this cup to be nourished to be renewed to be reminded and to look forward in hope uh, to the to the grand Finale that is coming where we, our faith, will be sight. And a word today to to those of you who are having a hard time in worship because of sadness, grief, maybe bitterness, disappointment. Um and even bitterness towards God because the resurrection is is fine and dandy, but you feel left out, left alone. Your unfulfilled desires or your brokenness is overwhelming. Jesus tells us uh, that when we gather with him uh, in eternity, that one of the things he will do and one of the things that he can do because he has lived and died and risen again is that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever wiped someone else's tears. It's a pretty intimate thing to do, to take somebody's face in your hand and to wipe their tears face to face. That's what the risen Christ has promised and that when he does that, you'll never cry again. All the sadness will be dead and it isn't coming back. So, my friends, if you are tempted today in bitterness and grief, loneliness and hurt, come. Eat in anticipation, and in a heart that can hold on to hope that this suffering is temporary and that the risen Christ one day will look you in the eyes, hold your face, and wipe the tears from your eyes forevermore. As the elders and uh, deacons come down front this morning to Assist me, let me remind you that the outer ring is uh, wine, the inner rings are grape juice, and all the bread is bread that is gluten-free.